Well, hey, welcome to Sojourn Church. Glad that you are here this morning. Uh, I'm grateful that we get to gather together every week. And uh, just good to see you every week, just to be able to spend time with you, to sing songs, to open up God's word this morning. But uh, as we get going into the word this morning, let me pray for us before we start. Father, I give you thanks uh, for today, just the opportunity we have every week to gather together as the church, Lord. It's always a privilege. It's always a, a for our joy, Lord, to be able to come together as your people. No matter what kind of week we've had, no matter what kind of uh, month maybe we've had or year or life, Lord, this, I hope, is an encouraging time for all of us this morning. As this is a gift to us, a gift of grace to be with your people. And so, Lord, as we open up your word now, I pray that you would help us to understand it rightly so that we might live lives that are glorifying to you, that are pleasing to you. And Lord, as we look at your word this morning, as we look at the words of Christ today, I pray that you would compel us as we've been praying and seeking after you, Lord, that you would compel us to go out from this place that we might tell more people about your amazing grace. So Lord, just do that work in us this morning, we pray. We want to be faithful to you. And we ask that you would call people to yourself through the ministry of the people of Sojourn Church. I pray that your word would help us to do that this morning. So we give this time to you for your glory and pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, hey, if you need a Bible this morning, go ahead and raise your hand and somebody will bring a Bible around to you so that you can read along with us this morning. Uh, if you, don't, have, if you uh, don't own a Bible, we'd love to give that to you as a gift. So feel free just to raise your hand so they can find you. You know, we're just over halfway uh, through our Scent series. We started this series about four weeks ago. Uh, this is our fifth Sunday in this series. And we've been looking at Scripture, seeing what Scripture says to us about being on mission. What scripture says to us, what God's word says to us about making disciples. The first week we looked at the mission that's been given to us. That we, if we are followers of Christ, have the privilege of being a part of. Jesus says to us, as the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. We know that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And we now, having been redeemed by the blood of Christ, are sent out, are called to take and share the message of the gospel with people who have not yet believed. We looked at our call to missional love. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him would have eternal life. They would not perish, but would have eternal life in and through Christ. God loved the world, so he sent his son into the world. But we are not going to go reach people with the gospel if we don't have the same kind of love the Father has for the world. We looked at our call to missional prayer. We must pray for boldness as God's people. Pray for boldness to share the message of the gospel and pray boldly that God would do things that only he can do. And last week, we looked at our call to be disciples who make disciples. We looked at what it actually means to be a disciple. If we know Christ, we're called to follow Christ. And that's what we're calling other people to as well. For the, so that they might know and follow Jesus as Lord. So this is foundational stuff. This is the foundation of mission. You see, if we don't understand the mission that we've been given, if we don't really love lost people, if we are not praying for God to do things and calling people to himself and helping us to do those things, if we don't understand what the gospel is, if we don't understand what it actually means to be a disciple, then we're not going to be effective on mission. Man, this has been good for us as a church. I think it's been good for us to look through all of this, to be challenged by this has been good for me. 
As I've been preparing and studying and praying and preaching, this has been challenging for me in all four of these areas for me to really think personally about how God's working in my heart and my life. Well, today is no different. These last four weeks have been the foundation of mission, of what we're called to do. But these next three weeks, these last three weeks of this series are really going to be shifting gears a little bit to be much more practical. Man, what does it look like for us to actually do this? Building off of the foundation that we've looked at, what does it look like for us to go, to take up this challenge? And by God's grace, I believe that we can do that. We can take up this challenge. We can rise to the occasion and be faithful to our calling. So the question for us today is, what does it actually look like to live missionally in everyday life? So we're going to open up the word this morning as we do every week. So if you have your Bible, open up to Matthew chapter 5 this morning. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew's the first of the four Gospels. It's the first book in the New Testament. So you can flip over there to Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to read from verse 13. These are the words of Jesus to us this morning. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And let me give you a little bit of context about what's going on here so that we can understand what Jesus is saying to us this morning. In Matthew chapter 5, what's happened is Jesus has begun his public ministry and he begins it by preaching a bold message. In chapter 4, verse 17, it says that Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Man, light has come into darkness. The kingdom of God is at hand, Jesus says. That is good news. That is great news. The world that's been under the oppression of sin and death is beginning to change because the kingdom of God has arrived. But it's not just that the kingdom has arrived. The king himself has come. And his message is clear. Man, the kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe the gospel. Jesus begins teaching and preaching about the kingdom He begins teaching and preaching about what it means to be a part of the kingdom, what it looks like for any of us to enter into God's kingdom. And all that he has said and taught, he teaches throughout his ministry, and all that he said and taught would have been impactful for those that were listening to him at that time. It would have been challenging for them, but it would have had even greater impact after his death and resurrection. And we see that he says the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe the good news. Man, we see the fullness of that good news at the death and resurrection of Christ. And so as the, the people of God at this time look back on all that Jesus taught, it would have impacted them in a greater way. But we stand on the other side of the resurrection. We know that Jesus is risen. And so we can look at these words from that perspective. See, Jesus is not just the king. He's the risen king who's defeated Satan, sin, and death forever. As we've said over and over again, and I hope that we really think about what this means, Jesus is Lord, and that changes everything for us. Jesus is Lord, and that changes everything for you and for me. If we are in Christ, if we've repented and believed that Jesus is who he says he is, and he came to do what he said he came to do, 
to die on the cross for our sin as a substitute for us, and then rose again from the dead. And we are now following him as he calls us to. If we are in Christ, then we now live as citizens of the kingdom of God. Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 through 14 say this, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Man, if we're in Christ, we've been delivered. If we are in Christ, we have been set free. We've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness and death and into, by God's grace alone, through Christ alone, the kingdom of Jesus. Now you may think, why do I say all this? Why talk about this now? Because it's in light of that reality. It's in light of that understanding of the reality of what Christ has come to do. What that means for us. That the kingdom has come. And that if we're in Christ, we've been transferred to that kingdom. That we look at Jesus' words here in Matthew chapter 5. Listen to them again. This is your king speaking to you. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the salt of the earth, Jesus says. In Jesus' day, salt was used not to put on your scrambled eggs in the morning. Salt was used to preserve food. There was no refrigeration, so salt was used to keep food good. It was a preservative. So for Jesus to use this analogy, what he's trying to say, what he's communicating to us, is that you, as citizens of the kingdom of God, are now to be preservatives in this world. This is really important for us to understand. Listen, when we become followers of Jesus, when we are redeemed and restored to God, we don't retreat from the world. When we say, well, my citizenship is in heaven now. I'm part of the kingdom of God, so I'm going to pull away from the world. I'm going to retreat from the world. But that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus sends us into the world for the sake of the world. Being the salt of the earth means that we should seek to be involved in our world. We should seek to bring about change. We should seek to cultivate good things for the sake of our community, for the sake of our city, and for the sake of the world. Being salt in the world is about living with kingdom influence. Doing things like good deeds for those around us. Working hard at our job. Seeking to better the world around us because we are now citizens of the kingdom of God. And our king is a restorer. But Jesus says if we've lost our taste, if we've lost our saltiness, what good are we? Well, we're not good for anything. We might as well just be thrown out to be trampled on underfoot. Now salt by its nature cannot lose its saltiness. It can't become unsalty, but it it can become diluted. And when it's diluted, it's ineffective. It isn't good for anything. So what does that mean for you and for me? I think two things. If we lose our saltiness, we've either become indistinguishable from the world or we've retreated from the world. If we're no longer living out our identity as the salt of the earth, then we are either indistinguishable from the world or we have retreated completely from the world. But if you're in Christ, Jesus says you are the salt of the earth. You and I. Together as the church, we are called to be in the world while remaining distinct from the world. We're called to be involved in the world, but yet remain distinct from it, seeking to affect it for good as citizens of the kingdom of God. And we don't do that from a position of moral superiority. We do that from a place of recipients of grace. 
We say Jesus is our king. He came to rescue us and we follow him. And so we want to seek to do good for his glory, not for our glory. We put off the old self, put on the new and follow Jesus as king. Well, Jesus gives us another analogy. Verses 14 through 16, he says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who's in heaven. You are the light of the world, a beacon of light in a dark world. That's what Jesus calls you. You're not just salt of the earth. You're also a light of the world and you're not supposed to be hidden. You're supposed to be on display, shining your light out before men. But here's something we have to understand. A key truth from this is that we don't become light on our own. We are brought into the light out of darkness by the one who is the light in life of men. John chapter one, talking about Jesus says this in him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. In John chapter eight, verse 12, Jesus himself says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See, apart from Christ, you remain in darkness and death. But when Christ calls you to himself, when he comes to you and calls you to himself, he calls you out of that darkness. He calls you out of death and he calls you into his light and into life. He's able to do this. He's able to bring you into that place because he went to the cross for you. He died as a substitute for you to free you from the bondage of your sin. And he rose again from the grave so that you're no longer condemned because of your rebellion. We are light because we've been made new by the maker of light. We, we are light because we know the one who is the light of the glory of God, Jesus, our King. See, a light by design, again, is not meant to be hidden. It's meant to be seen. It's meant to illuminate darkness. That's the purpose of light. Light can always and will always extinguish darkness, but darkness can never extinguish light. See, I think what Jesus is calling us to say, look, I want you to be salt in the earth. I want you to be about kingdom influence, but I also want you to be the light of the world. I want you to proclaim the good news of the gospel to people. If and when we have been so radically affected by the gospel, it changes our life. It affects everything. We can't say that we know Christ and not see our life begin to be transformed and changed. We've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We've been transferred from the kingdom of death and transferred into Jesus' kingdom. So now we can let the light of the gospel shine out in all that we do. It affects everything. So your purpose now as a recipient of light is to shine the light of the gospel of the kingdom of God into a dark world. You now as a recipient of light are called to tell people about Jesus who died and was raised and now says to you, follow me. See, I think we need to see both of these things going together. Living a life that's consistent with the gospel, but not opening your mouth about the gospel is not effective. Opening your mouth about the gospel, but not living a life that's consistent with the gospel is not effective. We need to see both of these things going together. We are salt and light. A pastor from the mid 20th century said this, a community of Jesus 
which seeks to hide itself has ceased to follow him. The community of Jesus, which seeks to hide itself from the world, to retreat back from the world, to hide maybe in darkness, has ceased to follow Jesus. If we say we follow Jesus, we must be both salt and light. What this means is that followers of Christ, disciples of Jesus, should permeate society as ministers of reconciliation, as ambassadors of grace and agents of redemption. What this means is it requires us to be involved in the world, yet remain distinct from it. To be involved in the world, yet remain distinct from it. But how can we do this? What does this look like for us? Well, let's go back to John chapter 20. Jesus again in John chapter 20 tells us, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. As the Father sent Jesus, so Jesus sends us. We are sent as Jesus is sent. We go as Jesus goes. So how did Jesus go? How did he proclaim the kingdom of God and the gospel? Well, let's quickly look at one example. I want you to flip over a couple of pages in your Bible to Matthew chapter 9. So if you have your Bible, again, open to to Matthew and look at at chapter 9, just a few pages away from where we are in chapter 5. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, Matthew tells a story. A story that's about himself. He says, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Notice a few things that are going on here. Jesus sees Matthew, this this tax collector, someone who no one really likes. he's He's a swindler. He's a traitor from the perception of his people, the Jewish people. But see, Jesus looks at Matthew, not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And he says those key words that we looked at last week, follow me, Matthew. And Matthew drops everything and follows Jesus. When Jesus calls you, you respond. Not because he is oppressive, not because he's forceful, but because he's gracious and because he's God. But then what does Jesus do? He goes to Matthew's house to hang out with Matthew. He goes to Matthew's house to hang out with Matthew and not just a bunch of church people. He goes to Matthew to hang out with Matthew and his friends. And he brings some of his friends and followers along with him, his disciples. But the self-righteous religious people, the Pharisees, these self-righteous religious people who pride themselves on retreating from the world. They don't like that Jesus is hanging out with these known sinners. Why, Why would Jesus spend time with these people who are clearly are not seeking to obey God? But Jesus very clearly and pointedly speaks to their passive aggressive remarks. He says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Look, I want you to go to people. I'm about mercy towards people. That's why I came. You are all about this religious out the outward life of a religious life. I'm not looking for that. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For he he says, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. 
Jesus is saying, who do you think I'd be spending time with? Do, do you know why I came? I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save the world. Who else would I spend time with except people who are desperately in need of redemption? I came to seek and to save the lost. Where else would I be? But notice what Jesus was doing and why he was doing it. He was spending time with these so-called sinners in normal, everyday settings. But he had a purpose. The purpose was calling them to repentance. The message of the kingdom of God is that the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. See, Jesus is not just hanging out with people. He has a reason for doing it. He's taking the message of the gospel of the kingdom to people who need to hear it. I came to seek and to save the lost. I came to call sinners to myself, not those who think they have it all together. I am in the world, but I am distinct from it. Look, Sojourn, we are not going to reach people with the gospel if we're not spending time with people who need the gospel. We, we may think theoretically about being on mission, say, yeah, we need to go tell people about Jesus. We want to see more people come to know Christ, but that's not going to happen if we're not spending time with people who actually need to hear that message. A light is not meant to be hidden. So what does this practically look like for us? Well, I think one of the things we need to realize is that we need to think about doing and being on mission differently. We live in a growing post-Christian world. And so when we think about mission, we can't assume that people will come to us. We can't assume that they will come to us. They have any desire to be a part of the church. We must take the gospel and gospel community to people. So I want to get really practical. I want to throw out ideas. I want to talk through ideas of what it looks like for us as individuals and for us together as a community, as a church, to be salt and light in Fairfax in Northern Virginia. But before I do that, can I call us back to one thing? Something that we talk about over and over again. I want to call us back to it again this morning. We need to know and love Jesus. We need to know and love Jesus, like really love Jesus. Not just in our heads, but in our hearts. Can, can I call us back to that again? If your relationship with Jesus is not very much of a relationship, then you are not going to go tell people about Jesus, no matter how many people you hang out with that don't yet know Christ. You may say, well, no, man, I spend lots of time with people who don't know Jesus. Well, that's good. But if you don't love Jesus, you're never going to open your mouth to tell them about Jesus because he's not the center of your life. Two pastors who wrote a book on mission said this, enthusiasm for evangelism begins with enthusiasm for Jesus. Enthusiasm for evangelism begins with enthusiasm for Jesus. Maybe you say, well, man, I'm all about evangelism. I want to go tell people about Jesus. But if you don't have a real love for Jesus, then it's not going to be a real heartfelt love for the lost to see them come to know your Savior and King that's what evangelism is. Evangelism is gospeling. That's what the word means. So how are you going to share the message of the gospel if you aren't resting in it, if you aren't focused on it, if you're not living your life for Christ, loving him, following him? Man, can we help one another with this? Let's continue to call each other to fix our eyes on Christ, to put off the old and put on the new. Let's encourage each other with gospel truth so that our affections for Jesus grow more and more. And that Jesus just starts to ooze out of us because that's all we want to talk about because he's the center of our whole life. 
So everyday missional living, what does it look like for us? If we have a love for Christ, what does it look like for us to see every day, every moment as an opportunity for mission? Again, when Jesus is Lord, that changes everything. Again, what that means is that we can't look at life the same way. For mission, that means that everyday life, the normal, everyday things that you and I do are opportunities for mission. We are not going to programatize mission at Sojourn Church. We're not going to come up with mission campaigns and mission things to do because you know what? You are our mission strategy for Fairfax in Northern Virginia. We're not going to programatize that. Every opportunity we have when we walk out of this place on a Sunday is an opportunity for you and for me to be on mission. You are the mission strategy of the church because you are the church. That's what the church is called to do. It's not the job of pastors. It's not the job of programs that we're going to put things together to serve people and minister the gospel to people and be salt and light. You are the church. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. The local church is God's plan and means to bring the message of the gospel to the world by being involved in the world. The local church is the mission agency of God. Because Jesus is Lord, we should live every day looking for ways to live with kingdom influence. We should look at every day, look for ways to make gospel proclamation, to be salt and light. So what are some ideas on how to do this? I just want to throw out a bunch of ideas. I was thinking about this this week, talking with different people, and just, just typed out a bunch of different thoughts and ideas. So this is not an exhaustive list about how to do this, just some different things that come to mind. Man, maybe the first thing we need to think about is how we can get to know our neighbors. We all live in different places, apartment complexes, townhouses, homes, all over this area. Do you know your neighbors? Man, taking an opportunity, creating space in your life to actually get to know them, inviting people into your home, not just waving at them across the driveway or the parking lot. Man, inviting people into your home, building a real relationship with people. What about having meals with people? For most of us, there are 21 times a week that you can invite somebody to eat with you. Go out to breakfast with somebody. Invite somebody over for lunch. Invite somebody over for dinner. Spend time with people around a meal. Everyone likes to eat. That's a non-threatening thing. You don't have to serve like Jesus burgers or something. Just eat food with people. Just hang out with them. Just spend time with them over something that all of us like to do. Go to the same places. Go to the same places with regularity. Be a regular. Be a regular. But when you go there, actually seek to get to know the people who are there. Don't just think, well, man, I go to the same Starbucks every day. Do you know anybody that works there? Those are real people behind the counter who are pouring your coffee, who are making your latte. Do you know their name? Have you sought to get to know them? Man, it's good that you go to those frequent places, but get to know the people who are actually there. That takes time. It takes you slowing down a little bit in your day, giving somebody 30 seconds, giving somebody a couple of minutes. Man, when you look around that coffee shop or that restaurant, do you see, man, there's another guy that's here all the time? Have you thought about trying to get to know him? Just being in the presence of those people is one step, but we have to actually get to know people. Go to the same places. Man, I think about the fact that we're moving to a new location as a church. As we announced last week, we're moving to Frost Middle School at the beginning of April. We'll be gathering there on Sunday mornings. What would it look like for us as a church to decide that we are going to go out after we gather as the church on Sundays and go eat at all the places that are almost directly across Main Street from that middle school? 
the Elevation Burger, the Chipotle, the Old Country Buffet, if that's your thing. Man, what, what would it look like if we said, man, as a church, that's what we're going to do every week. I'm not going to go anywhere else. I'm going to go eat at those places. I'm going to invite some of the people from my community group to go with me. I met somebody new on a Sunday morning. I want to invite them to go with me, but I'm going to go to the same places over and over and over again. I'm going to be a good customer. I'm going to serve people there. I'm going to love on people there and give people time, not just use them for what they give to me. What about serving in the community? Getting involved in the things that your community cares about. Maybe it's things you say, well, I don't really care that much about making our parks look pretty and nice. But maybe if your community cares about that, why not get involved with that? Be salt. Do things that are good for your community. Get to know people. You could serve on your homeowners association board, as exciting and thrilling as that sounds. But man, what an opportunity to get to know people who care about your community. People that care about your neighborhood. You could serve on other community organizations or boards. What about playing in a rec league or or coaching a a rec league team? There are kids all over this area that play sports. What does it look like for you to get involved and to serve by being a coach? What does it look like for you to join up in in an adult rec league and play something that you enjoy doing? I've said this before and I'll say it again. We're not going to do church softball. (laughs) We're not just going to hang out with church people and play softball against other church people. Man, if you want to go play softball, invite some people from your church and go get involved in the community and do that. Go play volleyball with some people from your church, and, but play with other people around you who don't know Christ. Do something fun with people. Find other hobbies that you have in common, running or biking or making stuff or wine tasting or whatever it is you like to do. Go do that, but do it with people who don't know Christ. What if you're a stay-at-home mom? Man, don't forget that your kids are a mission field for you. Man, don't forget about your kids, that when you wake up every day that you have kids in your home who don't yet know Christ, that's an opportunity for mission for you. But what about other opportunities? Could you have a play date and invite some, some other stay-at-home moms from your community, but also invite some people from your neighborhood, people from your church and from your neighborhood to bring your families together and just spend time with them, getting to know them? If you are in the marketplace Man, redeem the time you have there. I know that you can't stand up in the middle of a work day on your desk and say, I have something to share with you guys. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, that's not wise. But what about your lunch breaks? What, what do you do on your lunch break? Don't, don't be the people that just sit and read a Christian book during your lunch break. Don't be the person who's saying, well, man, I need to read my Bible because the pastor says I should read my Bible and pray. So when I do that is during my lunch break. From 12 to 1 o'clock every day, all of your coworkers are getting together to eat lunch. You've got 23 other hours a day to read your Bible and pray. Those are good things to do. It's good to read Christian books. But when all of your coworkers are getting together to eat lunch together, go eat lunch with them. Go eat lunch with them. Spend time with them. If your work has happy hours, go out with people. You don't have to drink alcohol. You can if you want to, but you don't have to. I'm not saying you have to do something you don't feel comfortable with. But man, go spend time with people. Go do things that people are doing. Here's a crazy idea. What about the next time you think about moving, you stop before you make a decision about moving and say, man, where do other sojourners live? I want to go move into the apartment complex where there's other people from my community, from my church. I want to live where they live. I want to, I want to move into the neighborhood where there's other people living in houses around there so that I can be in a physical community with people from my biblical community and that we can love on our neighbors together. 
My family just moved into the city of Fairfax uh, about two months ago. And in our community group now, there are, including my family, there are two other people that live in our neighborhood that are in our community group. That shouldn't be a novel thing. Man, what would it look like for us if we all started moving into the same neighborhoods, living around each other so that when you invite your neighbor over to your house, that that's my neighbor too. Then we can seek to love on them and care for them. Man, community is key to mission. Don't feel like any of these things are things that you have to do on your own. You can and should involve people in your church community in mission together. Ask your community group to do these things with you. This is not a solo endeavor. But I do want you to be real friends with real people who really need Jesus. Real friends. Like they would call you their friend. And I've struggled with this over time, over my adult life after getting out of college. And, and I think most of the time for me, what it ended up being is I never created time or space to do these things. It's easy for me to go to work and do my thing and then just be involved in church things and never just create time in my schedule, time in my life to be doing life, spending my life with other people who need to know Christ. And so I know from this, from studying this, from looking at this, that I need to repent of this. I need you to hold me accountable to this. I need you to say, man, who are you talking to? Who, what neighbors do you know? Are you spending time with people who don't know Jesus? And I want to hold you accountable to that as well. Let's do this together as a community. When you are seeking to be salt and light, when you're seeking to do this, let me also encourage you to listen and rely on the Spirit. I think we all need to assume that we assume too much about what people already know. We all assume too much about people's worldview, that people have an understanding of Christianity. They have an understanding of the gospel. But here's the deal. A four-point gospel presentation is not going to be understood by all, and it's not going to be welcomed by all. See, maybe you need to invite someone into your life before you invite them to gather with the church. I think it's easy for us to say, man, why don't you come to church with me? Why don't you come to my community group? And those are, those are okay things to do. I'm not saying you can't do that. But maybe for some people, you need to say, man, I just need to invite you into my life. Would you just come over and hang out with my family? Man, I just want to be a friend to you because you're my neighbor, because you're my coworker. Church, I think we need to learn to begin conversations about Jesus, assuming that someone has absolutely no interest at all in Jesus. And to seek to move them along the way winsomely and in love. Give people time to think and process as you share elements and pieces of the gospel. As you share Jesus with them. As you share your life with them. As you seek to be salt and light. Give people time to think. Give people time to process. And let the Spirit do what only the Spirit can do. Sometimes I think the best thing we can do in seeking to be Salt and light and seeking to bring the message of the gospel to people is stop talking and listen. Now, I'm not saying that we should not say anything. The gospel is a message to be proclaimed. We have to open our mouths to tell people about Jesus. But maybe sometimes we need to stop talking and listen. Are we listening to the questions that are being asked? Are we listening to how a person understands his or her world? What's going on in his or her life? And then and only then are we looking for where we can speak the gospel into their actual life instead of acting like the gospel is some disconnected, ethereal truth to be believed. 
Man, do you know this person? Do you love this person? Are you listening to what they are thinking about, what they care about, where they're finding their hope? And then seeking to speak Christ into that. Ask good questions. Be a real friend who really cares. And the overarching principle in all of this is that you have to be spending real time with real people who really need Jesus. Invite people into your life, but go to where people are. Be salt and light. There are many methods to living missionally. There are many ways that we could do this. Like I said, this is not an exhaustive list of how to live a life of mission. There are many ways to do this, but there's always one message. We are dead in our sin and rebellion. But Jesus died for us as a substitute for us. And he was raised so that we might have life. Jesus is Lord. There are many ways for you and I to live missionally, to have a missional lifestyle. And I don't have time to specifically drill down right here and now about everybody's context and everybody's circumstance. But you can ask yourself that question. How can you look at all of life as an opportunity for mission? How can you look at all of life as an opportunity to be salt and light? Whether you stay at home or work from home or in your neighborhood or your workplace or your school, whatever your context might be. And I want you to talk about this in community group this week. I want you to spend time brainstorming with each other, talking about what does it look like for us to do this? Think of things together, hold each other accountable and engage. I don't know what this looks like for every single person in this room, but what I do know is that if you're a follower of Christ, regardless of your context, Jesus is Lord. So we don't have to be afraid about telling people about Jesus. Jesus is Lord. He is in control of all things. He sustains and holds everything together. You don't need to be afraid about telling people about Jesus. Through the death and resurrection of Christ, all of us are empowered to share the hope we have in Christ. And the Spirit will help us. Jesus told us that he would do that. So the question then is not should we do this, but are we going to do this and be obedient to our King? Sojourn, I believe that God has placed you in the places that you are. In your neighborhood, in your job right now, no matter if you love it or you hate it, God has placed you in the particular places that you are by his providence. Sometimes I think we just need to lift up our heads, open our eyes, and see that there are always opportunities around us for us to tell people about Jesus. There are real people around us every day with real brokenness and a real need for the hope of Christ. We are called to be salt and light as individuals and as a church. But I want us to be a church that if we no longer existed, our community would miss us. Man, are we that church? If we, if we shut our doors, if we no longer is, exist as a church, does anybody notice? Does anybody care? Are you that kind of neighbor or coworker? If you move out of your apartment tomorrow, if you move out of your house tomorrow, do your neighbors even care that you're gone? Are they glad that you're gone? Man, I want to be the kind of church, the kind of people that, man, they, the community misses. Our workplace misses us. Our neighbors miss us because we're not there anymore. Let's be people who are salt and light in our community. Jesus is Lord over everything. That means everything. Like your whole entire life, he's Lord over all of it. And when we recognize that our identity is now citizens of the kingdom of God, And that we've been given the glorious task of advancing that kingdom as salt and light. We should leverage everything that's been given to us. Our jobs, 
Our relationships, our family, our kids, our school, where we live, our money, our homes, everything. We should leverage it all for the advancement of that kingdom. Jesus is Lord over all of it. Man, getting involved in people's lives is messy. It takes time. It requires commitment. But it is always, always worth it. The kingdom has come and the kingdom is coming. And those who have not repented and believed the good news of the coming of the king who died and was raised still are under the righteous wrath of God, John chapter 3 tells us. And man, if that's you this morning, if you, if you have not yet trusted in Christ, if it's either just a head thing for you but not a heart belief, a core belief of who you are, or maybe you've heard the gospel for the first time today. Maybe you've heard it a hundred times, no, but maybe today you're hearing it like it's the first time. You're hearing that you need to turn from sin and trust in Christ as Savior and follow him as Lord. Jesus is the light of the world. Man, if you are still living in darkness, if you're still living for yourself, let me call you to Christ this morning who came, who came for you to call you to himself that you might have life and have it abundantly. That's why this church exists. We want to help people understand and experience and know the grace of God and live in the reality of that. And so if you don't yet know Christ, would you turn to him today? Would you place your faith and your trust in him today? And if you have questions about what that means, please come talk to me afterwards. Come talk to your community group leader on community group night this week. That's why we're here. Sojourn, now is the time. As ambassadors of the king, now is the time to invite people into the kingdom by calling them to turn away from the kingdom of self and in faith believe that they need the atoning and reconciling sacrifice of the king of kings. Belief in Christ is necessary. Belief in Christ is necessary, but how are they to believe if they don't hear? Man, there's an urgency in bringing the message of the gospel to people who have not yet believed it. No one is guaranteed tomorrow. Hell is real. An eternity separated from God is real. And an eternity with God is real. There's urgency in us as God's people taking the message of the gospel to people. And Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, gives us everything we need to tell people about our sin-conquering, life-giving king. Will you go? Will you tell them? We are the sent ones. So let's follow Jesus and go as he goes. Let's spend time with people who've not yet believed and invite them to follow him with us. Not because we figured it all out, but because God was gracious to us and he gave us life and he called us out of darkness and now allows us to be a part of seeing other people called out of darkness. Sojourn, be salt and light by inviting people in and going to people who need the gospel of grace. Live your life with eyes and heart and mind for mission, for God's glory and the good of others. In Matthew chapter 26, Matthew tells us that on the night that Jesus was betrayed to be crucified, he was having a meal with his disciples. And Jesus took bread and after blessing it, he broke it and he gave it to the disciples. And he said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. 
Jesus says, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. The Apostle Paul tells us that every time we eat the bread and drink the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. As we come forward to take communion now, I just want you to be reminded that Christ, our King, has inaugurated his kingdom. He's given us entrance into that kingdom by taking our sin on his back on the cross. He gave his body for you. He shed his blood for you. And he will come again. When we come forward this morning, when we take the bread and we take the cup, this is a kingdom meal. Be reminded that you are a citizen now of the kingdom of God, and that has changed everything for you. You've been commissioned to be salt and light, influencing the world around you and shining the light of the gospel in dark places. Until he comes again, let us eat this bread and drink this cup and go and proclaim that Jesus is Lord so that more and more people might be transferred from darkness into the kingdom of God. And if you're not a follower of Christ, we just encourage you just to hang out in your seat. But we don't want you to come forward and take the bread and take the cup because it doesn't mean anything for you. For us, it's a declaration that Jesus is Lord, that we are in desperate need of his grace. And so if you don't yet believe that, if you don't yet, haven't yet trusted in Christ, we don't want you to come forward to take the bread and the cup. We want you to take Christ. So just hang out in your seat. Pray. Ask God to reveal himself to you. And again, please come talk to somebody after the service so that we can help you understand what it means to know and follow Jesus. And those of you that will come forward, you can come forward when you're ready to receive the elements. Tear off a piece of bread and take a small cup to drink. And what Jesus has done for you will be spoken over you. And you can take it immediately or when you get back to your seat. Sojourn, we get to tell people about Jesus. We get the privilege of telling people about Jesus. Jesus who saved you, who made you new. And who's coming again to bring in the fullness of his kingdom. So let's go and do that. Before we pray, I just want to remind us that we go out of this place as missionaries. And so today as I pray, I want to pray over you. Commissioning you to go out as missionaries into whatever context you exist in throughout the week. So that as you go out, you would know that God has given you the ability to tell people about Jesus. So let's pray now. Let's just bow our heads and do that. I just want to pray over you no matter what your context is. And I can't pray for everything by name, but know by God's grace and the power of the spirit that you go from this place as a missionary. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you for our time to open up your word this morning that we could look at Jesus's words to us, that we are salt and light, that we are called to be in this world to influence it for good, to shine the light of the gospel into people's lives. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to do that. I pray that we'd be faithful to that call, that we wouldn't think that's something for someone else to do. Man, if we are in Christ, that's what we're called to do. So, Lord, help us to do that. Continue to give us a burden for people who don't yet know you. And, Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters here this morning. Lord, as we go out from this place, I pray that we would recognize that everyday life is an opportunity for mission and that we are commissioned as missionaries to go to tell people about the redeeming grace of God that comes through Christ. Father, I pray this morning for people who are in sales jobs, people who work in finance or banking, teachers. Father, I pray this morning for stay-at-home moms and administrative assistants those that are graphic designers or engineers or doctors, 
those that are students or work for the government, those that are lawyers, those that work for NGOs, who are in real estate or marketing or PR. Lord, whatever it is that people have as their job, whatever it is they do during the week, I pray that in all of those contexts, they would see themselves as missionaries. Father, empower us to be people who don't just look at our job as a job, who don't just look at our, at our house as our house or our neighborhood as just a place to live. Or the Starbucks is a place to get our coffee or the restaurant is a place to get our food. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to see all of those places every single moment of every single day as an opportunity for mission. Lord, help us to lift our heads up, slow down enough to open our eyes and see the opportunity to see the need and to engage real people with the real hope that we have in Christ. Lord, we go out from this place dependent on your spirit to be who you've called us to be. As the Father sent Jesus, our King, we know that we go as well. Help us to be faithful to that call. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.